The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. We just heard the Christmas story read from Luke's account of the beauty of Christ being born and the celebration that was around it. And then now we're going to hear from one of his apostles, John. John was called the beloved one. John was intimate and a dear of the twelve, probably the dearest of friends to Jesus. And he was a faithful pastor into, his, uh, into the 90s, into his old age. And he wrote uh, many, many letters. Three of them were preserved for us. And we're going to be looking tonight at one of his letters, First John. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to First John 1. Uh, if not, you can look at the screen as I read it. But as we do each Sunday, I invite you to stand out of honor and reverence for the reading and hearing of God's holy word. 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. May God add his richest blessing to the reading and hearing of his inerrant and infallible word. Amen. You may be seated. Normally, we look at Christmas and the narrative of the birth of Christmas, the events uh, that took place around Jesus' coming into the world. Uh, But today, I want to spend just a moment to explain why he came into the world. Not just that he did come into the world, but what was the purpose uh, of his coming? Why was he here? Why did he come down from heaven? Why did he give up the glories of heaven? Why did he come and take on human flesh and live and dwell uh, among us? What was the point of it all? And as we begin this, I, I want to start in this passage. John is writing, and he's writing in such a way that the first thing he wants us to know about Jesus' coming and the ministry of Jesus is that it's truth. He, he's saying Friends, as you read this and you read the Bible and you search throughout the cosmos and you look at the intricacies of creation and you read the Bible and you see how they line up and you read about Christ and who he is, I want you to know one thing more than anything else in all of the world. This is true, is what he's saying. He's saying this is certifiable. This is bona fide. This is you can stake your life on it kind of truth. Listen to his language. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it and testified to it, proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. We have seen it. We have heard it. We've looked upon it. We have touched it. We have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim it. He's saying, folks, I was there. I saw it. And so were a whole bunch of other people. We're testifying that these things are true. 
A dear friend of mine and a dear friend of our church, Dick Riggler, went to be with the Lord earlier this year. Dick was a World War II veteran. Dick uh, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Only uh, about 10% of all uh, of the combatants in the European theater actually were on the front line battles. And Dick was one of that 10%. And he would tell me the stories of his three years uh, in Europe and especially uh, in 1944 from December 16th through January 25th of 1945. Uh, the the battle there, which was the turning point of the war uh, in Europe. And Dick told me all about it. That took place back in 1944. And Dick was telling me about it literally earlier this year while he was uh, in uh, nursing care. And I thought about that. It was 75 years ago that Dick experienced those things, witnessed those things, And I believed it because he was an eyewitness. He experienced it. He was there. I never questioned him about it. John is writing in the same way. John is saying, hey, it's around 90 A.D., and Jesus died around 33 A.D., so there's a little bit of a roughly 60-year period. But in that time, I was there. I was with Jesus. I touched him. I held him. I I ministered with him. I saw him. I saw the miracles. I heard everything that he taught. I was there. Sixty years earlier, I was there. This is credible testimony that I'm giving you of an experience of life that actually happened. And I believe John's testimony just as much as I believe Dick Riggler's testimony. That just as the Battle of the Bulge actually happened in the way that Dick experienced, I believe that John experienced Christ and the ministry of Christ in the same way that he explains it here. That's what he's trying to tell us. The bottom line is that Christmas and the Christian life and the message of Christ is not just some series of fantastical tales and myths. It's just not something that those people who can't cope in this life have to grasp onto to bring some meaning to this life. It is the certifiable testimony of credible witnesses within the world that we look back upon and go, I believe. I believe that to be true. That's what he was saying here. You're saying, if you don't believe me, ask that guy. If you don't believe that guy, ask that woman. If you don't believe that woman, ask that guy. Because there's a whole bunch of us who experienced and saw this. It's true truth with a capital T. And he's saying this truth, uh, this gospel, the good news of Jesus coming into the world was for the purpose of bringing to us eternal life. He starts in on that in verse 2. He said, Jesus came into the world. The life was made manifest. That's Christ's life. Christ came and we beheld him. And we've seen it, testify to it, proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. Jesus came into the world for the express purpose of giving to us eternal life. That's why he came. He wasn't a moral model. He wasn't a great teacher, which he was a moral model, and he was a great teacher, but that wasn't his end. His end was to say that I came to bring you eternal life. 
Because Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, now God treats you when you believe in Christ as if you have done everything that Jesus has done and you have suffered everything that Jesus has suffered. God treats believing sinners as if they had done everything that Jesus has done and suffered everything that Jesus has suffered. That means that you, when you believe in Christ, you are adopted not on the basis of your record, but on his record, and by the way, for everybody sitting in this room, and most especially for the person talking at this present time, that is an incredible thankfulness. That my entrance into heaven and my hope of all good things isn't based on my record. I blew it already today, by the way. Had to tell Lisa I was sorry. Had to tell my dog that I was sorry. Had to apologize to somebody on the road who was going too slow and inhibiting my plan that they were a problem in the world and needed to learn how to drive. My record failed already today. And what the gospel says is it's not based on my record. That means that when you believe in Christ, you're adopted not on our basis of our record, but on his. And you're adopted into the family and treated as if you'd accomplished everything he's accomplished. That's the gospel. It's a gift and it is eternal. It is a gift of God's grace. And because it is a gift... That means it is given to us not based on any of what we have done, but only on what he has done. It's an unmerited gift for us, which means that it can't then be rescinded based on something that we don't do. If it wasn't based on my good works, that means I'm not going to lose it based on my bad works. When I mess up, I don't lose eternal life. Uh, When uh, I don't do something right, it doesn't mean I lose it. It is a gift of God given to us with no strings attached. And everyone goes, that's too good to be true. But it's not. It is a gift that is also eternal. Eternal means that it has no end. It's valid for all time. It goes beyond this physical life. We celebrate Christmas to remind us of the life that we have in Christ, given to us as a free gift of God for us that is for all eternity. It has no expiration date. Literally, as I was leaving the house today, Lisa was taking a jug of milk out of the refrigerator in the garage that had been there for a very long time. She was getting rid of it because it had expired. It had passed its expiration date. It needed to be disposed of. There is no expiration date on the gift of eternal life that's given to us in Christ Jesus. That's why Christ came into the world. That's the truth of it. But there's more. That's how John writes this first paragraph. He writes it as if he knew that one day in the 70s and 80s, a company called Ronco would show up on the scene. Some of you, generationally, remember Ronco. It was the precursor for QVC and all the social media networking uh, salesmanship that's out there today. Buy this pot for $19.99. It's a $100 value, but we'll sell it to you for $19.99. But that's not all. We'll give you the Jinsu Samurai sword knives thrown in and the bamboo steamer at no additional cost. But there's more. John is saying, but there's more. Eternal life would be enough. We'd say, I get eternal life? He said, no, but there's more. You get that which we have seen and heard and proclaim to you, the gospel, so that you too may also have fellowship with us. He's saying the but such more means this, you not only have eternal life, but in this life you now have a new community within your life where you can live together being known and knowing other people. I find it ironic this year 
that we live in a culture where we live behind masks, masks. We veil ourselves because no one knows who we really are. We don't want people to know our age. We don't want people to know too much about us. We don't share from our hearts. We always live behind masks. And God said, if you like masks so much, I'm going to give you an opportunity to really wear them. We hate masks, but yet we wear masks all the time. And what John is saying is you're invited into a community where you can take your mask off, where you can be who you are. You can be raw. You can be open. You can be honest. You can have uh, those things in your life that aren't perfect. He goes, but see, you get eternal life and you get a new community in life, the church. You get uh, the beauty of community and fellowship within this life. But that's not all. He says, you also get community and fellowship with God the Father, verse 3b, with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You not only have eternal life, you not only have a new community where you can live and be known and be safe and grow and prosper and be who God has designed you to be, not the best version of yourself. He creates you to be the version of yourself that He has designed. And He says, and you can do that, but even more than that, guess what? You have fellowship with God Himself. The very fellowship that Christ has with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, he says, that's the fellowship that you can now have. It's an eternal fellowship, that it's a sweetness, that it is a relationship with God uh, that goes beyond this life, that you are fully known and accepted, not just by people here. By the way, the church is a wonderful thing and Christian community is a wonderful thing, but it's filled with flawed people who still flinch. When you say, yeah, but this is who I really am, some people will go... Yeah, that's too much. I can't handle that about you, so I'm going to just sort of step away. But God never flinches. He never takes a step back. He's always actually drawn into you versus being drawn and pushed and repelled from you. And that's what John says. You get eternal life in Christ because of Jesus coming into the world, because of Advent. Uh, You get a new community, a place where you can live uh, and you can have life together uh, in this world. Uh, You have eternal fellowship with God, uh, a sweetness and a joy and an intimacy uh, that's there. But there's more. He says, and you have joy. He's saying, finally, friends, I want you to complete our joy, all of our joy. That in this life, we just sang joy to the world. I've said a couple of weeks ago and joked with you all and with folks in our congregation, I don't know, and I've never been accused of being too joyful. And I don't think anybody in here has been accused of being too joyful, but boy, that should be the accusation against the church and against Christians always. What is it about you? How are you so joyful? We're in a pandemic. I know. I know it, and I'm being very cautious, and I'm doing all of those things, but there's something within my heart that brings me a deep and a resounding joy to know this, that one day God is coming back, and he's going to make all things right and new. No more disease, no more separation, no more death, and it brings about a deep joy within me. What is it about you? How in the world can you face terminal cancer? How is it you can face this in your life and have a joy? Well, let me tell you about that. It's a joy that comes because I know I have eternality with God, with uh, him, that I'm saved, that I'm all of this, that it brings about a joy. You see, we can truly sing joy to the world now when we know this. Christ came into the world to save us and to give us fellowship with one another, and to further give us fellowship with God himself, and to bring about a true joy in our lives. The problem is that Ronco has ruined us. QVC has ruined us. We've become jaded and we don't believe any of the promises. Because here's what we have found out. 
that the french fries aren't cut perfectly, that the polish on the car dulls after time. What we realize is that the makeup really doesn't make us look a decade younger, and the dress doesn't make us look three dress sizes smaller. They're just lies to try to get our money. And so what's happened is when the truth is actually presented to us as it is at Christmas, we don't believe because we say it's too good to be true. But friends, my encouragement to you tonight is that it is true. You don't have to worry. You can trust in this. A number of years ago, one of my boys was at the pantry and we had just gotten back from Sam's and there was a huge bag family-sized bag of chips. And he opened the bag of chips and he looked inside and all of a sudden I heard him just say under his breath, this is why I have trust issues. <laughs> because the full bag was filled with air, not with chips. And he goes, I don't believe anything. Friends, you can believe this. It's not full of hot air. It is full of absolute stake your life on the ground kind of truth that you can say, I believe this to be true. That's why we celebrate Christmas, for it is in the midst of everything that we don't know is going on in the world, we can say, but I know this to be true. Christ came into the world, and he came into the world. Christmas is always tied to Easter. He came into the world to give his life as a sacrifice so that we could gain eternal life and fellowship and fellowship with God and joy eternal. So let's prepare our hearts now to come to this table, to come and to sing and to celebrate at a table where Christmas and Easter meet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you that there's more. This life isn't all there is. You promise us uh, forgiveness of our sins in this life. You promise us a fellowship uh, with one another in this life. But then you say, but this life isn't all there is. There's a new life coming, a life when Christ returns, a second advent, when he comes again and he makes all things right and new, a life that we look forward to by faith, a life that we look forward to those who believe in Christ and have put their trust in him. So, Father, tonight I pray that somebody here and somebody listening needed to know that you're trustworthy that your promises are yes and amen, and that they can put their life stake within the very heart of the gospel and know that it is immovable and it is sure. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.